Cool. Sorry. So let's let's talk about bonus round. Let's talk about drafting. So one thing I love about the networks is this huge open draft where I can get a star, I can get a commercial, I can get the the, the cards that give me victory points at the end. I can't remember the executive. They're called executive uh, cards. Uh, network cards. Network cards. Right. Yeah. I can yes. do all these different things. Right off the bat. It's not like, oh, I go through this phase and then that phase and that phase. It's like, no, I want a star, so I'm going to take it. Oh, I want a commercial, I'm going to take it. You can do all that with this big open draft. And I think it works really, really well. And so let's talk about drafting. You know, did, did you try the traditional drafting where everybody has a hand of eight cards and you take one and you pass it? Did you try that in that game? Uh, and if no. not, oh, you didn't? Okay, so you went right yeah. open draft from the start. So why is that? Why, why that design choice? So as we mentioned in the main episode, this was originally an auction game. So the way it worked was this. Uh, you would uh, auction, you would uh, bid on turn order, and then in turn order, you would all draft stars, and then in turn order, you'd all draft shows. Uh, so originally, it was bit by bit by bit by bit, and then you would all draft network cards. Uh, ads weren't in the game back then because I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I found one, I made a similar change in Battle Merchants in when I took the auction out of Battle Merchants because originally. In Battle Merchants, you did an auction for turn order, uh, and then everybody forged their weapons, and then every... I'm sorry, everybody got their craft, they improved the craft level, then they forged weapons, then they all sold weapons. And somebody suggested, what if you remove the auction and just made these actions? You can take one action to improve your craft, or you can do an action to forge, or you can do an action to sell. And when I did that, I was like, oh my god, I just gave the players a bunch of choice. Yep. I gave them agency. So I did the same thing with the networks when I removed that. I said, okay, well, all these things that you had to do in phases, it's now up to you when to do them. And that worked really, really well. So I did it because I had done it before, and it had worked the previous time, and thankfully it worked even better this time. I think a big thing about this open draft um, that's really tricky is to not overwhelm the player information. Yeah. Now, my early prototypes, I'm not a graphic designer, not even close. So my early prototypes, people are like, wow, this game's heavy. There's so much going on. This is a really tricky and intricate game. Um, I hired Heiko Gunther. To, I'm sorry, Heiko Gunther. That's how you pronounce his <laughs> last name. Well, that's closer to how you pronounce his last <laughs> right. name. Uh, Heiko's going to beat me up for that. Uh, so Heiko... Um, uh, took my horrible graphic design for the prototype and just did a marvelous job. And normally, like, you know, I, I want to make sure people know that if you're working on a prototype, your graphic design, that's something you can save for later, usually, with some exceptions. But what he did revealed that the game was a lot lighter than what I was expecting because it was testing a lot heavier but just simply because of the graphic design. So... When it comes to an open draft, you have to make sure you're managing your inf your visual information well, because when you have all those cards out, I mean, with the networks, you can have like 15, 20 cards out at the start of a round, and that is a lot of information to take in. So if you have any way you can to manage that information, to group similar information together, uh, in the networks, uh, when we have new players in the rule book, I advise to not bring the network cards out, the power cards out. I, I recommend to not have them out in season one, uh, which restricts the choices you can make and restricts the game space because players just learning the game in season one are just learning how the game works. Right. And then in season two, they learn about the things that break the rules. So I don't want them to learn about the things that break the rules until they learn the rules, which is the job of season one. So that's another example of limiting the information space. So if you have this big open draft, like one thing I learned is 
the more it can limit the information space and yet provide for meaningful decisions, the better. And that's that's a tricky line of walk. Yeah. And so drafting in general, what what makes it such a good mechanic, even if it's the traditional where I've got this hand of cards and I choose one and pass you the, the other six? What what is it? Because people love this. I mean, you look at if you go look at um, game stores, people are playing Magic the Gathering and they're drafting. I mean, that's every single week that they're doing this. This mechanic is is alive and well all over the country, all over the world. And so, what is it about that mechanism that just people just enjoy? They love about it. I think what they like about it is the same thing. I, I there's a glut of auction games in the early aughts, and I think it was the same thing between auction and drafting. It's kind of a self balancing mechanism. So, um, I mean, it, it won't totally balance your game, but it, it, it does a really nice job at leveling things out because uh, if you have a turn order set well, then the first player in turn order is going to get, in, in my case, my Rochester draft, my open draft, where everything's out on the table. Uh, the first player takes their favorite card, then the second player takes their next favorite card, and so on. And um, there's some interesting characteristics in a draft like that, in an open draft, uh, for the networks. First off, every time you take a card in the networks, it does not get immediately replaced. Mm -hmm. And that's a really crucial rule because if it did get uh, immediately replaced, that reduces the tension because there's always a card available. And the second thing it does is it increases the luck. So Battle Merchants um, has these Kingdom cards that are out and these Craft cards that are out. The Kingdom cards give you special powers. They're kind of like network cards. The Craft cards get you better at forging certain weapons. And so these cards get immediately replenished after you take them, or they get replenished at the start of the next player's round, start of the next player's turn. And what makes that more luck-based is, you know, you could take a card, and then the card that replaces it is the card you needed. And, you know, people who play Ascension can talk about that all the time. Right. It's why the banish mechanism in Ascension is uh, can be an interesting decision, because early on in your turn you want to banish cards you don't want, and late in your turn, you want to banish cards you do want to make sure your opponents don't get them. So, uh, the, you know, the, so Ascension provides ways to at least mitigate that luck a little bit. But without those mechanisms to mitigate that luck, when you flip those cards, new cards in, you are subjecting players to a form of output randomness uh, that may leave a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, with the networks, we don't have that because every time you draw a card, it's gone. So instead... That means the network leans very heavily on turn order. Turn order is very important in the networks. I have one player in my group who wins every game. He wins every single game of the networks. Like He reads it, he knows it, he understands it. Um, and for him, turn order is totally vital. Like He does not take early leads because uh, this is a big thing about the networks that a lot of people misunderstand, especially with the first edition of the rule book. I clarified in the second edition, um, turn order is based off of fewest viewers. So uh, whoever has the fewest viewers goes first to the next season. Um, it's not based on order of dropping out, which some people uh, play that way. And then they're like, how come there's no catch-up mechanism? Well, there is. It's just, you just need to look in the rule book. Uh, so... Um, so, yeah, the networks leans very heavily on that because if you're not doing well, you will get first choice. If you are doing well, you're going to get last choice. And in a five-player game, that's really harsh. In a five-player game, there are a lot of really epic comebacks because that last spot is not a great place to be. Um, it's interesting, in the expansion, I've got uh, some network powers that play with this. Um, I've got one network power that lets you bank 
viewers uh, from the main scoreboard into a personal scoreboard. So you can actually claim a good turn order, but you've got to pay extra, a lot extra for these viewers that you bank. And if you can't afford them, you lose the viewers in both your scoreboard and the bank. Oh, wow. So you can play with that turn order, but it's risky. On the other hand, um, I have a network that's like the 800-pound gorilla, and it gives you amazing powers. Like for every player in the game, you get an extra dollar at the start of the round, or you can draw a star, and you get extra viewers at the end of the round based on how many players are in the game. And both of those are excellent. The only catch, you must go last every round. In a four-player or five-player game, this is a really hard network to play. Even though you get these amazing bonuses, they're often not enough because the perfect thing you need gets taken just before you get to take the first action in your season. But when you're playing with that executive in the expansion, and this is all the expansion stuff that I'm working on right now. Uh, it's going to be on Kickstarter this summer because the expansion gives you uh, various um, player powers that you can take up and they're going to totally change your angle on the game. Uh, so the reason I put those in was to play with that kind of turn order because uh, turn order is so important in a game with open drafting like the networks. Yeah, awesome. Hey, man, got anything else to add on, on the drafting idea? Um, well, I mean, you, when you've also got um, drafting that's in-hand drafting, like your more traditional uh, hand drafting, like the way that Seven Wonders does it, yeah. I mean, uh, that's also a really nice way of doing it. Uh, it's a quick way of doing it. Uh, it's going to be uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, well, maybe you didn't get the cards that you're dealt with. The, the, the first, like, if... If there's, like, one card you need and the player across from you got it, you know, you're probably not seeing that card. Yeah. But So that really depends on the kind of game you're making and how, uh, like, critical it is to get that one card. At the same time, um, it's it's still a really nice way of doing it because it's a really quick way of, of working. Um, players may not like the lack of interaction that draft provides because with open drafting, there's a little bit of interaction because you can clearly see that this player took your card. Yeah. Whereas in a game like Seven Wonders, the interaction is a lot more subtle because you don't see that the player to your right, uh, like if you're going in science, maybe the player to your right is burying every science card they, they get the chance of. They're just right. making, like if they need to build a wonder, they're going to take that science card that you needed. But you don't know that, so it doesn't have that drama. So those are the trade-offs that you have when you have that kind of... Um, that kind of hand drafting. Uh, it's a great mechanism, but you, you know, you gotta know when to use it. Awesome. Gil, again, appreciate your time, man. And just good luck with everything you're working on right now. Yeah. Thanks, Gabe.